and welcome back to another victory green hour as the Philadelphia Eagles went to Chicago on Sunday and defeated the Chicago Bears 25-20 in a game that was closer than I think a lot of people thought we did we certainly didn't take it that seriously on Friday as we didn't discuss the game all too much but the Eagles did get the win and improved to 13 and 1 but before we talk about that, Connor, we have to talk about Jalen Hurts. But before that, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter at our Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines. And follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. And if you're with us live, let us know your thoughts on the game, the Jalen Hurts injury. Um, and I, I guess I forgot, I forgot to do introductions. I'm LJ, the host, uh, and he's Connor, my co-host Connor. We're all over the place here today, getting a, late, a little late of a start. How you doing, man? Yeah, sorry. Uh, when, uh, when fatherly duties call and the son is having a dad type of night, <laughs> it tends to put things behind a bit. But yeah, let's get right into it, man. Let's start with Jalen Hurts, exactly what you were talking about. Obviously, he's got a sprained shoulder. Um, some reports put him out for two games, which likely means the remainder of the regular season, at least. Then Nick Sirianni says he heals like he's, his body isn't like your body and I'm not ruling him out yet. And Jalen Hurts says he feels OK, he feels fine and, he, and he's going to see how the week progresses at the end of the day. I mean, and then, of course, Gunnar Minshew left practice today. He was attending the funeral of Mike Leach. So, I mean, there's a lot going on right now, but the main thing is the play calling was absolutely excruciating. And listen, I've, I've talked to people because of my fantasy football stuff. Um, I've talked to people who are doctors or who practice medicine and stuff, and they say there's no real correlation between rushing quarterbacks and more, more injuries. But when you rush 17 straight times and take the hits that he was taking on Sunday, that's bad. And that was ugly. And and to sit there and say, oh well, Miles Sanders wasn't very wasn't doing very well. His average yards oh, per carry was better. His average yards per carry were better than Jalen Hurts. So why were we running so much with Jalen? And it's not like it was always Jalen Hurts rolling out and tucking and running. There was a lot of designed runs. And this is a really weak Russian defense. That's what frustrated so, me. This is a very weak Russian defense. I want to go back to what you first said in terms of Sirianni saying that he heals better and he won't rule him out. And Hertz said that he – I think that's more gamesmanship than anything. They're, they want Dallas to have to prepare for two quarterbacks. That takes that takes preparation time away from their, you know, from them focusing on one quarterback because the game plan is going to be different. You know, regardless of what Chris Sims says, saying you can throw any quarterback in there and the Eagles will still be the same. You're not running – the same offense with 
Minshew that you do with with Hertz. Just like in 2017, the Eagles, Nick Foles did not run the Carson Wentz offense. So that's that's something that you have to take into account because you're not going to run the RPO. No, most defenses aren't going to respect Garner Minshew hold, keeping the ball and running to the outside the way you have to respect Jalen Hurts. So if it is Garner Minshew, you're gonna, we're going to see a totally different offense. And, you know, with the talent that the Philadelphia Eagles have, if Gardner Minshew cannot win one of the next two, he shouldn't be a, shouldn't be a quarterback. Like Saint Dallas game is going to be tough, um, but and Dallas screwed the pooch because they lost to Jacksonville, which which was hilarious by the way because of a Dak Prescott interception return for a touchdown in overtime. Um, because that that would make this injury a lot bigger if Dallas would have won, and the and and they were still you know, two games behind the Eagles. Say Dallas won and the Eagles lost and only one game out, and the winner of the game this week is in is in the driver's seat in the NFC East. That would have made things a, a lot different, and I, and I bet you Jalen Hurts would, would probably be playing because he gives you the best opportunity to play. But you have a three-game cushion on Dallas for the division with three games to play. All you have to do is win one to win the division, win one to clinch the, the bye. So – I think that the Eagles are going to hold out Jalen Hurts for this week. And it's smart because if the Eagles – what is the goal of the season? To win the Super Bowl, right? The Eagles aren't winning a Super Bowl with Gardner Minshew. This is – Tony, there's a lot of people who actually are of the belief that Jalen is going to play. They're going to try and lock this down this week. I would trust. So I think the coaches and I think you, you, the trainers and coaches have to protect the player from themselves. Let him get a hundred percent healthy. Yeah, and and I think like people are sitting there and like I trust Gardner Minshew. You say it's one of the next two. It's one of the next three. You just have to win one. While we don't well, want it to I come down to week the, eighteen, I say one of the next two because if the Eagles lose the next two, Jalen's playing the Giants game. He's at Minshew. least playing a half. At least well, he's no, going to at least saying, play to he, get it out of control. If, if the Eagles lose the, against Dallas and lose against the Saints, no way Gardner Minshew starts Week 18 against the Giants. That will be a Jalen Hurts game. And we definitely don't want it to come to that. So I get why there's a lot of people who do want him to play, and while why there's the proposition like, and it's it, of course it has to be Dallas Week. I can guarantee it would be such a different conversation if it wasn't Dallas Week, but. The mixed reviews on both sides for Gardner Minshew and for Jalen Hurts and what if Minshew starts winning, like the conversation is already getting out of control for this. What And everyone's just kind of like putting in the rear view that Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate and then Peter Schreiger's out there defending that he should be the MVP no matter what because he got 14 games and you're going to count him out for one or two games. It's not like when, you know, Carson Wentz's season when he went down, I think, what was it, like four or five games? It was a significant amount of time. No, a couple more three games. games. Got, three games? He, he got hurt 13 games into the season. Only three games he missed. He still should have won the MVP. And, and the it's kind of looking the same season. way. It's, it's looking the same way here because I understand statistically, yes, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to finish the season with higher stats because he's going to get that extra game or two dependent on the injury. Um, but it's really, to me, it would 
to bring it all back around to Sunday, I did not like the play calling and me and you messaged a little bit and there was a lot of discussion in one of our group chats with all the TPL guys and we were saying like we did not like the play calling. Where's Miles Sanders? Well, Miles Sanders would come out. Yeah, he might have a couple, one or two bad runs, but he did bust off a couple decent runs. He had an 18-yard run. Um, I mean, it was frustrating to me. It, the defense struggled at the beginning, but they really began to lock things down. Or, Well, it felt like there was a struggle, but they weren't giving up any points. It was more the offense at the end of the day that was struggling and couldn't seem to get things going. The play calling just wasn't right. Um, so it was just really frustrating. I don't want to see play calling like that again. We shouldn't have, out of the 17 carries, half of them had to be designed runs specifically for Jalen Hurts. And that's just put in... This eight in the season against a team that is known to be weak against the run. That's just putting your your quarterback at risk for no reason whatsoever, in my opinion. I didn't like the play call. I thought that it was one of Steichen's yeah. and, and Sirianni's worst play yeah, call was, and offensively. Awful. And I think the worst part was it when he got the, the play in which everybody thinks he got hurt, the very next play, they threw it. Like he he got up off the field very slow. I'm surprised they didn't. I'm surprised the refs didn't force him to 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 go to the sideline to get checked out. But yeah, the offense, the um, the offensive game plan did not help Jalen. Miles Sanders didn't get a carry until the six six and a half minute mark of the second quarter. Um, and, and but the other thing that was impressive is in the fourth quarter, Jalen was still dropping dimes. He had that 68 yard pass to AJ Brown. Um, now if you remember when they got down there, the QB sneak, he didn't go straight up like he normally does. He went to the left. So that, I mean, that kind of tells you that, you know, he probably, it, he could probably feel it when he got hit. If he, if he, because if he does a quarterback sneak and you go straight ahead, you're getting hit on the shoulders. And if you have a shoulder sprain, that's going to, that, that you, and you could feel that on QB sneak. So if you remember that third touch, I think it was the third touchdown run after the offensive line moved and then he snuck it, he went to the left, didn't get touched. So, so that was a good thing. But you, you had to have a feeling that, it was hurting him a little bit, but he didn't show it. I mean, again, that 68-yard pass was was a, was one of the best passes he's had he had all day. Um, and now, I hope going forward, going into the playoffs, like Sirianni and Steichen realize: look, you have a 1,200-yard a running back that can get up to 1,200, like might have 1,200 yards on the season. Use them. We cannot have Jalen Hurts run the ball. 17 times a game it just doesn't work that way you're going to get your quarterback killed no exactly and you can run running backs into the ground that's their job that's the responsibility he's probably not coming back next year exactly so it doesn't matter and if he comes back you know you're only getting him back on what one two years like prop three years max but probably two years like running back shelf life isn't long enough to give him long-term extensions or anything crazy so at the end of the day run him into the ground and he's been proven very capable of doing this and while like at the beginning, Miles Sanders may have started out slower. I don't think that it generally should have been a feat. Like, look how Chicago played. They they still handed the ball off 12 times to David Montgomery. They still took, they gave it to Dar- Darian Ten Evans twice. They still ran the ball a significant amount of time, despite where the, where the game seemed to be going and, the, the, and how the situations were playing out for them. So at the end of the day, and, and like, 
Jalen Hurts took some bad shots earlier too. Too he took a big shot from a linebacker there earlier before the sprain. Like he was taking unnecessary shots, and at that point, if you start seeing him taking shots like that, that 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 linebacker hit that happened, I would definitely have started to pull back and say, okay, less designed runs. Try and stay in the pocket. Let's be. Let's get a bit more comfortable. Let's hand the ball off to Miles Sanders more. That's not a position where you say, ooh, that looks like it hurt. Let's keep doing design runs for Jalen Hurts. Let's keep letting them vacate the pocket um, unnecessarily and and run with it. It it doesn't work. It, it's not something we want to see going forward. Yes, it is what he does best, but he has also become a long way as a passer, and we've been able to trust him a lot more as a passer recently. Um, so we should definitely stick with what we know works, and that is Miles Sanders. And yes, Jalen Hurts mixing in the runs, the short yardage situations. You can always bet on Jalen Hurts, third and one, second and one, whatever it is, the QB sneak. It almost works 100% of the time. Um, 92%. 92%. But otherwise, otherwise, you, you know, that's what you want to do. You use Miles Sanders, use Kenneth Gainwell. We use Kenneth Gainwell a little bit. He was inconsistent. Obviously, he always is. But those are what those guys are there for. And it's what makes the team more multifaceted. When you see that Jalen Hurts has ran the ball 17 times, the Chicago Bears defense can read more for that because they completely, they didn't, they could pretty much ignore the running back position. It was pretty much a null factor for the majority of the game. And they could say, well, whatever, that's one less guy we have to worry about or one less position we have to worry about. So, but I mean, ultimately, this 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 going on is all coming back to I hated the play calling. The play calling was excruciating. It was terrible. It never should have been made that easy for the Chicago Bears, and it was uh, it, also, it was rather disappointing. It also felt like they were trying to force the ball into Quez Watkins a little bit. They kept giving it or they gave it to him a couple times on like an end end around type of plays. Um, I didn't understand that. I mean, you had two you had AJ Brown and Devontae Smith go for over a hundred yards, and they both. I mean. AJ could have went for 200. Devontae could have went for over a buck 50. Um, you know, Miles Sanders had a fumble, which I thought it was an incomplete pass. I didn't think he had control of it, but that it is what it is. Um, and then you were talking about the defense. They, they did struggle with Justin Fields early, early on. He had that one 40-yard run where he got out of the grasp of Hassan Reddick somehow. Um, who, and Hassan Reddick had a really good game. He was a couple sacks, a, a fumble recovery, forced fumble. Like, he was all over the field. Um, but yeah, so, and again, you know, a, a guy who I had mentioned last week, he, who wouldn't be put in the bad positions, Kavon Wallace, he wasn't put in bad positions because you have a, a team in Chicago that's not really going to look in the throw the ball. Yeah, they had, the Eagles had one bust that covers late in the fourth quarter. Um, but like it was all around, like once they f- tackled every, see, it seemed like every, they, the, everything started going well for that Eagles defense. It just took a while for the offense to get going just because, like you said, the game planning. It was bad. Like It felt like the game plan for, for the week was all this talk of Jalen Hurts be, it being the system or the team. They wanted to force – it's like they wanted to force it upon J, Jalen Hurts. Let him go out there and throw for 500 yards to show that, that he – and they th- took a bunch of shots early on that were incomplete, and it felt like – they were putting it all on Jalen Hurts. It felt like Jalen Hurts was pressing just a little bit, 
because of all the talk, you know, him not being the favorite or the MVP, this it being a, him being a system quarterback, Michael Parsons calling him out. It just felt like the coaching staff was like, all right, well, we're going to put it on you, Jalen. We're going to come out throwing the ball, even though we couldn't feel his hands. It was six degrees. It felt like six degrees out there. It just wasn't smart at all. Yeah, and that's a good point, and I actually agree with that point, is it felt unnatural. Like some of those throws, some of those the play calling and the situation, it felt like Jalen Hurts was trying to be – I mean, I don't want to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. They're two very different people, but it felt like he was trying to be Patrick Mahomes throwing into these extremely tight windows. It would just felt off. Like the f- whole first quarter or mo- for the most of the first half, some of the passing plays, I was left scratching my head. I, was j- I just didn't feel that was like how we had normally called plays. And it's not like, oh, it was that first game without Dallas Goddard? That was game five without Dallas Goddard. So it had nothing to do with Goddard not being in the picture. We were able to get Calcaterra and Stoll involved in past games. And it, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel natural. It didn't feel like things were flowing like they had flowed for the previous, what, 13 games. It felt like there was a lot, I agree with you, felt like a lot was being forced or a lot more was being put on Jalen Hurts to be something he's not. And I'm not saying he's not a good pocket passer. I'm just saying it felt like there was a lot more trying to force him to be a pocket passer despite 17 carries. While it seems weird to say that, he did end up throwing the ball 37 times as well. So we have to remember it felt like they were forcing one way or the other, but the forcing was all on Jalen Hurts' shoulders and really on nobody else's shoulders. So that would I agree with you there, and I think that was very difficult to watch as well and just felt not natural. The, the game flow didn't feel natural. Jalen Hurts didn't feel natural. Shane Steichen's play calling felt really bad. It all around, despite a victory, my biggest criticism falls on the offense for sure, play calling wise, and just the way they were forcing Jalen Hurts to just seem so uncomfortable and unnatural out there. Yeah, and they got they were fortunate. I'm, I'm going to say they were fortunate to be facing a really bad Bears team because that could have definitely be, been different um, than if they were to be facing anybody else. Um, I almost think if they had a better wide like. If Claypool was healthy or Mooney was healthy or Fields had any better, I mean, Equinemius St. Brown left early in the game and that was his best option out there. So I feel like if he had any viable receiving options, this could have been a very different outcome. It could have. It, def- it definitely could have. And we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see what the Eagles do this weekend. And, and it's going to be tough with this week's upcoming game because, again, we don't know if Jalen's going to play. Um, and it Dallas losing to Jacksonville takes all the bite out of this game. It doesn't matter if Dallas wins, like they're not going to win the division unless the, the Eagles have lost one game all year. The chances of them losing three straight to end the year, slim to none. Like, there's probably a 0.5% chance of that happening with or without um, Hurts. I would like to add because I, I feel confident enough Minshew can get a W, at least one. He has to be able to, and like I said, if he can't. No reason for him being in the NFL. Let's talk. Let's talk about the defense. Um, the third straight game that they've had six plus sacks. They've had 19 sacks in their last three games. They still lead the NFL in sacks with 55. They're what like six off the team record from 1989, I think. And that was Reggie, Jerome, Clyde, Simmons. Like that was one of the best defenses in NFL history. Um, Hassan Reddick has been a godsend. Um, he. You know, the one thing in the offseason when 
We signed him. We were both saying we don't want to see him drop back in coverage. That's what he did early on in his Arizona career, and he wasn't good. The last three years, um, you know, his last year in Arizona, last year, last year in Carolina, and then this year, you know, we've seen him getting after the quarterback, and that's what he does best. He's got 12 sacks. Um, you know, Josh Sweat, fine. We, we talked about it after he got the contract last year. Didn't do much of anything. Um, he's he's really turned it on. Uh, Javon Hargrave, he started off last year really well, then ended bad. He didn't start this year off that great, but he's been fantastic. Um, there's a chance they can get four, at least four to ten, maybe five if Fletcher can get a, some sacks the, the last couple. If he can get about four sacks the last three games. You know, that defensive line, all the money that the Eagles are putting in there, they're showing why, and they've been very impressive. And they haven't had the blitz to, to get these sacks. No, absolutely. Like the most, like, and like in one of the situations, the last game where they decided to bring a blitz, the Chicago Bears, that was one of their touchdowns, was all the pressure was brought and wide they, open. The Chicago Bears, wide open. Exactly. So, and they've done their best when rushing four. Sometimes they bring the fifth man. If the, you bring the fifth man, that's fine. But it's so ironic how this has turned around because this is the, this is the exact same front four. They were being scrutinized, what, merely four to six weeks ago for not getting enough pressure, for not getting at the quarterback enough, for not finish, turning pressures into sacks enough. And now they're literally running away with it in the league. I'm not 100% sure. I think they're four or five up on the next team behind them. They're like, they it's have a, exactly, they have a significant uh gain in the sack department this year over last year and a significant gain in the last what was it like the last month has been absolutely huge they heard the criticisms they heard the judgment and they have gone to town and i agree i think josh what is becoming a lot more comfortable and hassan reddick is becoming a lot more comfortable which has definitely helped um I think like he's Limbaugh Joseph, Domicon Subi in there has helped. And that has also helped guys like Fletcher Cox, who doesn't play as often, but we don't realize the impact sometimes of how having those three guys rotating constantly and keeping really fresh is impacting the outside of the defensive line as much as it's impacting the inside of the defensive line. So I definitely agree with you there. There was a, so many positives to say about that. They We ended up getting 14 pressures, which doesn't feel like a lot on 59 snaps. Um, but, I mean, 14 pressures, which turned into six sacks, ends up being huge. That conversion rate is massive. So that's something we definitely have to be – we are can definitely be proud of. Um as far as the corners in the secondary go, I mean, they weren't really tested because there was nothing to really test them. Like I said, Equinemius St. Brown ended up having to leave the game earlier, and he was probably the best and most viable option in the receiving game for Justin Fields. Um, Cole Komet was pretty much shut down and kept extremely quiet. He only went four for 25. Um, Byron Pringle, two for 39, David Montgomery, three for 38. So the fact that their top receiving option was Byron Pringle with 39 yards is definitely speaks volumes to, we don't really have to say a whole lot about the secondary. Like you said, Kevon Wallace, this was a great game to not have our back, our second safety and our third safety because, we didn't need them. They, we probably wouldn't have needed them all that much in the first place um, in this situation. So that was a major bonus. But we're definitely going to need Kevon Wallace this week. And I don't see Blankenship being there. And obviously, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is not eligible until the Saints games. Saints games. So I, think I, Blank, I am well, a little they, more concerned this week. Yeah, 
the injury report came out. Blankenship was it was it was a walkthrough, but Blankenship practiced. Kevon Wallace didn't, so Kevon Wallace had a hip hip injury, and Blankenship practiced. So I think Blankenship will be back this week. I mean, again, it is going to be different because you're going up against a team that does have weapons that will throw the football and they will test you um, down the field. So you're not going to be asking Kevon Wallace. And the one thing I, I noticed, especially in the second half, Kevon Wallace kind of started playing in in the box safety, being a spy on Justin Fields, which didn't allow Fields to run around as much as he did in the first half. So that, that was good to see from um, Kevon Wallace. Um the Eagles were also – they lost the turnover battle, was able, still able to win the game, uh, two interceptions and a fumble, two interceptions by Hurst and then the fumble by Sanders. Um, the Eagles did get two fumbles, the, sack, the strip sack by um, Reddick on on fields, and then the uh, forced fumble by Avante Maddox. So the, the, the Eagles, again, like they, they took advantage of the opportunities, and while they didn't have their cleanest game, um, you know, whether it be – with, with the turnovers, they, they they did have penalties, and it wasn't the best called game offensively. Um, they again, you come out and get get a win. Good teams find ways to win. Bad teams find ways to lose games when they're up by double digits. You know, a couple times a year. Um, so you know, it's not like the Colts. I can't believe the Colts blew a thirty-three nothing lead. I can't believe the Patriots did what they did in overtime. Like we haven't seen the Eagles do stuff like that, which is a good sign. Absolutely. You, you like, and especially, and I mean, you didn't even mention the Dallas Cowboys. I know we've talked about them, but they blew a 17 point lead too. So yeah. they blew double digit and then lost in the worst kind of way. You can't completely blame Dak. It kind of bounced off of no Brown and into the hands. But I mean, the, the Patriots playing like they were a team that was behind and this was their last hurrah just when really they just like- could have went to overtime and then and like you said, the Minnesota Vikings game, that was absolutely insane, blowing the biggest lead. I think the record was posted 154-1-1 for teams that were up by 30-plus in NFL history. Like, it's crazy, those outcomes and those games. But, I mean, as much scrutiny as as the Vikings face for, you know, oh, I can't believe they fell behind. They should be equally praised for being able to make that type of comeback and more scrutiny should fall on the Colts, but it feels like a lot more people want to continue. Did you watch that game? The Colts offense didn't go stretch the field once. Everything was short. Everything was hand. It was run, run, short pass. Like Jeff Saturday, all the, the praise he got for beating the Raiders his first week and having a close game with the Eagles. He has not been good. He's not going to be a head coach in the NFL next year. Like he has not mm. been good. I know it's I, like I know he's not the one calling the plays and whatnot, but he's the head coach. He's supposed to be getting them to. He he has been really bad the last couple of weeks. And Matt Ryan maybe, shot. Matt Ryan and maybe maybe, maybe they do. Maybe he's built a nice culture, or whatever. But I mean, you can't you can't go on with just a culture guy who blew the biggest lead in NFL history and hasn't really done anything outside of that Raiders game. That's mm-hmm. all you. That's all that he really has to lean on. And it, it, I mean, you beat the Raiders. That's not overly impressive this year. Um, it it is for a first time coach taking over a team that was in the situation that they were in, and they were using Sam Ellinger as the starting quarterback, and he brought Matt Ryan back in. But then now Matt Ryan has shown over the past couple weeks that he he is probably washed 
I mean, they, they, they've, they've bungled this quarterback situation so badly. Them and the Washington Commanders and the Denver Broncos went all in, so it's hard to scrutinize them too much. They, they made the attempt. Nobody knew Russell Wilson would fall apart this much and look this bad this season. But Matt Ryan, you could question, was well, a 38-year-old quarterback you're going on and you're going to try the bridge quarterback route again? At this point, if I was them, I'd pack it in and try and get a higher-end pick because the way the NFL's looking, you could be sitting at near 500 right now and have just as good of a chance of being in the playoffs as you would have of getting a top-five pick. Yeah, look at the NFC South. Look at the, It's one-game difference between the Bucks who are in first and the Panthers or Falcons, whoever's in last. Like It's a five and eight, and I think the, the – the Bucks are six and eight, and I think the other three teams are are five and nine. Like the Saints have a chance to win that division, which sucks. Like the Eagles, we we thought we were going to get a top five pick. The top five pick might not happen. The Eagles sit at ninth right now and 32, 31 technically. Um, you know, if if the draft were to, to occur this week, that's where the Eagles would be, would be picking. And I don't think we can get a Jalen Carter or Will Anderson at those spots. So it becomes a, a trade chip potentially for um, for Howie, but um. Yeah, so the Eagles, again, now they're going into their third consecutive road game. Um, they had a hard-fought game this past week. We don't know if Jalen's going to play. Um, in your heart of hearts, just if you had to make a, a prediction right now, and obviously we'll, we'll, we'll know pretty much by Friday if, if it's going to be Hurts or Minshew, who do you think starts on Saturday? I think Minshew. In my heart of hearts and in my opinion, in my and I'm not very I'm not we're not very professional here, but in my professional opinion, the best decision is to also go Gardner Minshew. And if this game gets bungled bad, if you guys if they get blown if we get blown out of the water or something, then reconsider Jalen Hurts next week for week 17 and 18. But if the if Jeff McLean reports and I saw another a tweet that was uh, somebody spoke to an orthopedic surgeon and said about 10 days of rest and recovery and icing and stuff could could potentially put him in a position to be back. Like he could be in a position to play next week if they feel that Gardner Minshew's not going to be able to pull one of the, a win out in these next couple games. So in my heart of hearts, I feel Minshew is the best route to go. Give him this X amount of days rest plus next week we get from Saturday to Sunday. That's your 10 days. Give him a shot against the New Orleans Saints in a pinch. I honestly think the Saints game is more important than the Cowboys game because we have the Saints first round pick. The Cowboys game means nothing. It means more to Dallas because in order for Dallas to potentially still win the East, they need to win this game. Like if they don't win this week, they can, they'll be the five seed. They can't win the East. If they want to have a that 0.05% chance of winning the NFC East, they have to win. So this game Saturday means more to Dallas than it means to the Eagles. This is a preseason game for the Eagles, but and, and, they're not going to treat think, it as a preseason game. And I think that the Dallas Cowboys also really want – like. A part of me almost feels like a lot of people want us to win with Minshew so that they can go at this whole system thing again and be like, see, it is a system quarterback. Look, you could put plug and play anybody and it's going to work. I think but it's more of Dallas complaint or Dallas fans complaining or saying we only beat them because they had Cooper Rush in the game. Well, if we beat you guys with Gardner Minshew, what excuses are you using now? You can't use that excuse. We're not going to use the excuse of we're, 
if if the Eagles lose on Saturday, are we going to use the excuse that it was Gardner Minshew? No, we're we're just we lost. Like, granted, I'm sure we'll be able to like, find things throughout I mean, the game that we I can mean, pinpoint, the, but the game means nothing to, for the most part, means nothing to the Eagles, and it's could in theory be treated like a preseason game, which it won't. Like the only starter out will probably be Jalen. Everybody else will be. Uh, let's see what Minshew looks like with AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. That offensive playing behind the starting offensive line, Dallas Goddard back, you know, Miles Sanders. Um, obviously, it won't be as many RPOs. Maybe a lot of, if you remember the Jets game, which I was at the game last year that Minshew started, it was a lot of quick passes. You know, they, Dallas Goddard owned the Jets secondary, owned the safeties, whoever was covering them. Like, you'll, we'll see a lot of Dallas Goddard getting, catch, um, getting passes from Gardner Minshew, and then the defense is just going to come have to come out. And this will be a game that they miss um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. And, or hopefully he can come back by the Saints game, but that, that's that's going to be the key thing for the Eagles. Just find, come out of this game healthy with, with your starters because you're going to have, depending on what happens, you're not going to play a real game for close to a month. Um, and then that that begs my other question: If Jalen doesn't play this week, and say the Eagles win, then you don't, in theory, you don't have to play him against the Saints, and you don't have to play him against the Giants. That's three weeks. You have the first round by. That's four weeks. The divisional game is January 5th, 14th or 15th. We're talking close to a month. Any worries about Jalen Hurts not playing in a game for close to a month? I mean, we kind of talked about it last week. I mean, I don't think that I'd have that big of a concern with with this situation. I really wish I, I really wish I could sit here and say I'd want to see him this week, but I think his health is something we should worry more about. But if he's feeling a lot better for week 17 or for week 18 and you want to roll him out there for half and make sure that he still gets an opportunity to play, I think that you should play him. You should give him that extra look based on the fact that you're going to be off no matter what, you're going to be off for a minimum week. And so, and if you give him week 18 off and play him in week 17, then he's going to be off for two weeks. So I would really have rathered him be able to play in this game and to see him in this game. And then if we win this game, not worry about week 17 and 18, maybe play him for half, play him for a quarter just to try and keep the rest off. But unfortunately, I don't think we're in a position where that is a circumstance for us. I think the right thing to do, no matter what Nick Sirianni or Jalen Hurts says, is to have Jalen Hurts not play this week. Yeah, and you do know Dallas, especially after you know they were worried about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles this past week instead of the Jaguars. Um, you know, if Jalen plays, you know they're going after his shoulder. Like they're going to take cheap shots on him and make sure that he feels it. So, like, there's no need to look. Obviously, at this point in time of the year, not everybody's 100% healthy. Everybody has nicks and bruises and, and, and is feeling it. But let him let him get his shoulder right. Let him play week 17. Let him potentially maybe if you need him play week 18. You know, you don't want to put him out there. It's a short week. They had to fly back from Chicago. You're then gotta to fly to Texas, you know, for a Saturday game. Just play it smart. Um, with the talent that's on this team, you can still beat Dallas with Gardner Minshew. So that's what they're that that's probably what's gonna happen and we'll probably find out before our next um show if Hertz is out or not. 
We should find out, but we'll we'll, we'll see. Unless he ends up a true game time decision, but I think reporters will have some indications and some feelers out there to say he's doubtful. It'll either be doubtful or questionable. If he's questionable, he's going. If he's doubtful or a true game time decision, I don't think he's going. I also still think it's gamesmanship. They'll they'll, they'll say he's a game time decision just so, again, Dallas has to prepare for two quarterbacks. They have to prepare for Hurts. They have to prepare for Minshew. Um I think I honestly think Sirianni knows what's going to happen on Saturday. You don't want to tell you don't want to tell anybody because you don't want Dallas to find out. That's what absolutely. I, I, and you know that it's going to be a like you said it's going to be a completely different game plan. You're going to lean on those running backs more to run, even though this is a really good run defense. You're probably not. You may be forced to abandon it at some point. And you, I feel like you can trust Minshew a little bit more in the pocket to stand there, take some shots, make some plays. And you can also get the ball out a lot quicker. It's it's such a different strategy, him versus Jalen Hurts, such a different game plan that you're going to implement that you know, and being the Dallas Cowboys, you have to consider both options as we could be looking at, look what we did with Cooper Rush. That's likely what we see them do with Gardner Minshew. Look at Jalen Hurts. How do we prepare? It's two completely different game plans. It's two completely different ways that a defensive coordinator has to look at the game. Mm-hmm. All right, so the Eagles are 13-1. and one. Big question mark with Jalen Hurts. We'll find out later this week. All right, so before we finish off, let's go to our unheralded player of the week for week 15 in the National Football League. And what do we mean by unheralded, Connor? We don't want Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. We want somebody that came out of nowhere and, and helped this team. I say help this team come away with a victory. Sometimes you like to go with a, with a player on a losing team. Who you got this week? I, ever since you called me up for it, I think I've done a lot better at just picking someone on a winning team. And I it pains me to do this one, but I mean, it was a record-breaking comeback. I obviously had to look this way. I got KJ Osborne on a team with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook. You have KJ Osborne going 10 for 157 and 1. It was an absolutely monster day for KJ Osborne. Justin Jefferson had a big day too, I think. Adam Thielen was a bit more of a uh, lesser factor than those two guys. Yeah, I, I know Osborne and uh, I know Osborne and Jefferson both went for over 100. So yeah. they had big days. And KJ Osborne is not usually someone. He's good. He's very. He's actually been very effective when Thielen's been hurt or Jefferson's been hurt, and he has. He's had to step in in, in a pinch. But to stand out like this in such a huge game when Thielen and Jefferson were there and Cook was there, everybody was there, Hawkinson was there, everybody was there and healthy, and you were that big of a part of this comeback, is huge. So I give it to K.J. Osborne, and it pains me to do it. I'm going with Ray Sean Jenkins from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thought about him too. He had 18 total tackles. He had two interceptions, including – the overtime pick six of uh, that overrated quarterback from Dallas, Dak Prescott. He was all over the field, and he became a hero in Philly. Doug, Doug Peterson also became a hero. Apparently somebody from the Eagles called the uh, a Philly steak shop in Jacksonville and bought Doug Peterson and, and the staff uh, cheesesteaks. 35 cheesesteaks and 25 fries. <laughs> yep. So Dougie P., Again, we'll never have to buy a drink in this city. Uh, he and, and then after beating Dallas, he's still a folklore in, in Philly and still a hero. So I'm going Ray Sean Jenkins. He had a, might have been one of the best games ever played by by a by a def, the defensive back. 
18 tackles, two interceptions, one one for a touchdown, an outstanding effort by Jenkins. And one other name I'd like to mention, which I mean, at this point, like it was, it's actually surprising that it's been this long for him to pop off like this, but we've seen like part, like moments is Kayvon Thibodeau. He had a monster game against the commanders as well. Monster first half. Then he He has more touchdowns than Kenny Galladay has with the Giants. That is so terrible. Oh man. But he had, if you play fantasy and you have, uh, you have uh, IDP players or, you know, individual uh, d- individual defensive players. players. Kayvon Thibodeau and, and Jenkins, I think one went for 40 and the other went for 50 points. They had, they were humongous. They would have been like league winners in the playoffs, like the best time to have these guys do it. And the reason I know that is I have Kayvon Thibodeau and I sat him on the bench because he's given me no reason to play him. And then he puts up <laughs> that type of game. But, no, but I digress. But that's probably. that's huge for Kayvon Thibodeau to start getting that that off his shoulder that 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 he seems to have had this year. But also I think that as that defense gets better, you're just gonna see Kayvon Thibodeau become even more of a monster. And by the way, Jenkins comment shade at uh urban meyer man that is what did he say he said when asked about what's the difference between this year and last year hit one word coaching that was it <laughs> it's, it's true like they have a professional coach so and doug peterson has done wonders for for Trevor we know Lawrence. he's a professional we know he's a culture builder and he can yeah. bring some really smart guys in to be on his staff and he has done a great job i think next year we're talking a very different Jaguars team. Same with the Lions. The Jags and Lions are going to be scary next year. We'll see. They're still the Jags and Lions. You will see. Let's not get a little get the too, monkey off the shoulder, but let's not let's not get a little too let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. All right, so we'll be back later this week to get you set for what was supposed to be a huge matchup on Christmas Eve between the Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys. Hey, you know who we didn't hear from? We haven't heard from the last couple of shows. I wonder if we'll hear from our, him on uh, Friday. Our favorite Cowboys fan. Yeah, I wonder if we'll hear from him. I want to know what excuses he's got piled up for, <laughs> for that game on Sunday. Uh, yeah, we haven't we haven't heard from him lately. All right, so thank you all for tuning in to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. We'll be back later this week to get you set for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas, or I should say Arlington, Cowboys. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you and have a good night. You want Philly food? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40s.